Welcome to the 757 Renaissance Man Podcast. On this episode, we chop it up with King Legend. We talk about just missing each other at the baby concert, discovering he had COVID and the trouble getting diagnosed, facing death head on, how his book Ventilator got his name, surviving after COVID, conspiracy theories with COVID and globalism, and we nerd out on cameras. Let's have a conversation with King Legend 757. What's good, family? This is another episode of the 757 Renaissance Man, and I'm here chopping it up with the one and only King Legend 757. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm alive and well. Can't complain. Hey, bro, that's saying a lot in 2021. A lot of us that ain't here right now. (laughs) Yeah, it could have been me, but I'm here. Yeah, bro, we're going to get into that a little bit later, too. But look... I found you um, on Instagram, and I was following you as a photographer, mm-hmm. and I was I was loving. Um, I love how you always gave props to Seven Five Seven. You know, you represented Seven Five Seven, and you all your photo shoots were somewhere that was recognizable. Like if you're from the area, you know that you were a photographer for the Seven Five Seven. So I was like, yo, I, I started getting um, into photography a little bit last year, right before um, COVID started. Actually, mm-hmm. it was into, I was starting a YouTube channel. And you know, once you start buying cameras, then that's that one comes with the other. Either you are a photographer that does video or you're a videographer that does photography, right? Yeah. So I was watching you trying to study your style, trying to get a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? Word. And um, we were at the same place at the same time, but I couldn't get to you. Um, it was the baby concert in Hampton. Mm-hmm. You was down front. Uh, yeah, yeah was I was working security for it. Yeah, yeah, I was working Word. security. So I was on the other side of the gate, and you were um, taking pictures up front. Yeah, I remember that night. It was a night to remember for sure. Yeah, that was a, that was a that was a crazy concert. Yeah, it was. It was super lit, man. The vibes and the energy were strong. You know, so I'm grand. You see the grays. I'm I'm old here, so seeing the younger generation get down was so. It reminded me a lot of our of us back in the day. You know what I'm saying? I'm in my forties. Uh, what are you? In your thirties, twenties, twenty seven, man, twenty seven. I don't, 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 don't take it as a because you no, know, no, no. You good? You good? I'm just getting there. You know, I'm gonna be up there with you one day. Yeah, yeah. You come come on up here. Get some of these on your on your on your chin, bro. No, that's right. <laughs> so to see how the younger generation gets down was um entertaining. Yeah. To say the least. It was very entertaining. Um, especially the young lady that decided to uh show her assets on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all know about that. That was kind of crazy. But what came front though, like, you know, it would happen back in my day, but it would have been keep sweat or you know what I I'm mean, saying? I mean, honestly, I think that happens at a lot of concerts to be real. You yeah. know, I don't think that's uncommon to happen at a concert, you know what I'm saying? I think you my know. thing was this particular concert, my daughter was like, "Oh, daddy, I want to go." Like this was the first concert uh, I worked, and yeah. she was like, "Well," and I'm like, 
Mm, see, what if that would have been my baby girl up there? <laughs> yeah. Nah, you wouldn't want that. It's hot until you got to flip it. They're like, mm. <laughs> Like, cover your eyes, cover your eyes. Right. I would have been that dad on stage. Get your butt off the stage. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I want to get into your book. Okay. Um, COVID came around last year and it changed the world. It changed how we operated. Um, you were one of the first people that was open uh, with his journey that um, I recognize locally, you know? Mm -hmm. So t tell me about that. Tell me about just one day being he healthy and, and joyous. And then the next min minute, you don't know what's going on. Uh, for starters, I think it's fair to say that, you know, it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was like, how did this happen? You know, COVID at that time was so new to us and Virginia as a whole that, uh, you know, there really wasn't a lot of information out there in regards to COVID. You know, they, it, be honest, at that time, it was a lot of memes going on mm -hmm. on the Internet making uh, COVID kind of a joke. When were um, you when were you diagnosed? Uh, I was diagnosed back in March. So you were at the All beginning, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, back in March. But the concert was in February, so, mm -hmm. you know, it won't, it won't from the concert. That yeah, I yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people, they, they connect to doctors, like, well, you had never been at that concert, you would have never caught COVID. Like, nah, that was a month, a month apart, so. You might have got the cooties, but not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 completely different vibe. I was feeling good after the concert, and a couple of weeks later, mm -hmm. um, COVID hit me, um, like I said, in, in the beginning of March. And, um, you know, it hit me so unexpectedly because even when I had it, it's really like, you know, all you hear is symptoms of COVID, you know, mm -hmm. they'd be like, oh, if you got a bad fever, you got a cough or, you know, uh, any, any symptom of that nature, you've been around someone that's exposed, you might be, you might be a prime candidate of someone who has COVID. Mm -hmm. There was no sure thing back then. So when I, when I say I got sick for me, I just had a fever. You know, uh, my fever just wouldn't break. So I'm the type of guy, I don't really go to the hospital for much unless there's really something going on. So um, I I went to the hospital the first time, like, yeah, I got a fever, this thing ain't broke. I got to see what's going on. This feel different. You know, mm -hmm. I went, they gave me an x-ray. They, they said I had bronchitis. They sent me back home. I was like, bronchitis i mean I, I assume if you have bronchitis you got a terrible cough that's just me maybe i'm wrong but that's just me i assume like the traits of bronchitis is coughing or something of that nature you know and maybe congestion in your chest or something i had none of that so i felt like it was a little off that my x-ray came back as uh bronchitis so i was like a day later i said i'm still feeling like trash let me get a second opinion so i went to riverside hospital um when I went to Riverside, my fever was still hot, um, still wouldn't break. But they got my temperature down from, I think it was 102 at the time. They got it down to like 97. They sent me back home. So when I got back home, fever shot right back up. Like I'm talking as soon as I got back home, fever shot right back up. So now I'm at the point where I'm exhausted. I'm tired of going to the hospital. I'm like, yo, I'm not going back. They ain't doing that for me. And then the wait time is crazy because, you right. know, they got to prioritize their patients. Right. 
you know, you walk in there and talk about, so I got a fever. They're looking at you like, okay, this dude just got his arm shot off. Right. What you talking about? What you complaining <laughs> about right now? You know, so by then I was just completely done with the hospital. I'm like, I ain't going back. You know what I'm saying? It's already enough that I went twice already. You know what I'm saying? So a third time, which is like out of the question for me. So um, I just remember that third day I'm sitting here. Remember, I already been to the hospital twice. I'm, I'm stubborn at this point. I'm like, I ain't going back. And, you know, it started to get worse. Like I started to vomit. Like I couldn't drink a bottle of water without throwing up. Mm-hmm. So now more symptoms is coming as far as in that dangerous zone where you just don't feel comfortable, period, mm-hmm. you know. And so I remember going to the bathroom. I felt like I was about to throw up. I'm next to the toilet. I lost track of time. I don't know how long I was by that toilet, but my wife saw me and she was like, either you're going to the hospital or I'm calling the ambulance. Mm-hmm. But you're getting out of here today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, she ain't giving me no options other than like either I was going to go, but one way or another, I was going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, no, nah, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? You got to call the ambulance. But I, I'll go. But she caught me. I was laying on the floor next to the toilet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when I went, to the hospital that third time I went to Center Hospital. Remember the first time I went to a uh, patient first to get a little quick checkup. The second time I went to Riverside. My third time I went to Center Hospital, all just to get a different opinion. Mm-hmm. When I got to Center Hospital, doctor came back. He was like, um, Mr. Campbell, you got double ammonia. That's what mm-hmm. he told him. Okay. Like double ammonia in your lungs. And he was like, if I send you back home, most likely you ain't going to make it. Because you know, at I mean, that point, they really weren't checking for COVID. No, nah, I mean, they was like, you got symptoms. You could have COVID. You're showing COVID-like symptoms. But they wasn't like, you got, you know, there was no test available mm-hmm. to say, yeah, you tested positive for COVID right there. So I just remember him just giving me that news like, hey, man, um, you know, if you go back home, your chances of making it is not likely. You know, the best thing I can do for you is like put you on a ventilator and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So imagine the mindset of I'm feeling good last week to getting news that if you go back home, you could die. Mm-hmm. You know, that was it's a hard crazy, process. Yeah, I was like, how? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and then my mind started saying like, oh, so this is what it feels like to die? Because when you ask yourself, nobody really truly knows what it feels like to be in that state of I'm about to die. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people you see them, they like pass out, like they about to go to sleep. You know, there's no like a uh, layout of this is what your body feels like right, when right. you die. If you, we know if the you, phases you go through, but we don't know what that feels. If you about to be out of here. <laughs> yeah, like we don't know, you know what I'm saying? Unless you physically go through that, you really don't know. Uh-huh. You only seen it in movies and you heard about it. Right. You know, you, you see the, the last breath in the film, like you see that, mm-hmm. but you don't really know what it feels like to be in those last couple of moments. So for me, you know, my first thing is, Man, this would have feel like to die. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, am I really dying right now? You know, that's what you're telling me. You know, and I didn't know what a ventilator was. Okay. You know, to make a long story short, I didn't know what a ventilator was. And so I, when he said, you know, best thing we can do is put you on the ventilator, it didn't mean anything more or less to me. Mm-hmm. It just meant that there was an option that other than death. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I wasn't like wary. You know, a lot of people were like, what you scared when he said he's going to go on the ventilator? I like, no, I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, okay. And the next thing I know, I'm out cold. I wake up 12 days later. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's the long story short as far as um, 
you know, why I named my book Ventilator and all of that nature. That's where it came from. That's the roots of it. So when you came out of it, um, of course, there had to be some recovery time. How long was it before you came about your wits of yourself? Well, it depends on what version of myself you're talking about here. Like, I literally just left physical therapy today, like a couple of minutes ago. Um, so it's been over almost a year and it hasn't been over a year, but it's been almost a year. And um, I'm still going through physical therapy. There's a lot of things that uh, you don't hear on the news about COVID-19. You know, okay. like you're starting to hear a little bit more about it now because they've done a lot of research. But, you know, just saying from the transition of the news we knew before and now, you didn't hear a lot about people having long-term effects of COVID because it hadn't happened yet. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. We hadn't had it. Yeah. It hadn't been circulating long enough for that to even be a thing. Exactly. So now they got something called um, COVID survivors, long haulers. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're still feeling the effects of COVID uh, six months, eight months later. And those effects for some people is like shortness of breath. You still don't have that full energy, that level of energy you had before. Uh, you walk up a flight of stairs, you're, you're exhausted. You know, those are kind of the long-term effects of COVID on a lot of people. Um, and for me, you know what I'm saying, those effects were the the, the fatigue, easily being fatigued, going up the stairs, I'm out of breath. Like, you know, I'm talking, it's a different kind of out of breath. It's a, there's an out of breath, like you out of shape, and then there's an out of breath, like something ain't right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a difference between the two, what I'm talking about. And so, like, for me, I had that effect. Um, and then my main um, thing that kind of stuck with me uh, from my encounter with COVID was nerve damage, which is another thing you don't hear a lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very common for people that have COVID to end up with nerve damage mm-hmm. at some part in their body. You know, um, that's a very common um, symptom during the recovery. Depending on how bad you get it, of course. Is it so, like, because of the lack of air that your brain gets? Or? It probably has a lot to do with it. You know, I'm not all the way sure. Kind of the doctor, obviously, but I know for a fact that uh, that's a common thing they find in a lot of survivors. Um, and me personally, mine's with my right arm. So I ended up, and you know me as a photographer, mm-hmm. That's that's everything. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That's your so, button clicking finger. <laughs> come on, man. Like right. what? Like and video, you know, right. that's everything, you know. Uh so it was mentally a, a challenge for me, man, to to really cope with everything that happened, you know, and then that's just part of it, bro. There's a lot of stuff people don't even know. Like I tell them the, the main issues because that affects them. Right. And telling them the stuff that really affects me more. Like, um, like for example, I have foot ulcers on the bottom of my feet from basically it's like a bed sore from the pressure mm-hmm. of not rotating that specific body part. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine a drop of water on your forehead. It don't hurt the first time you, it lands there, but that same drop in that same spot, Over it'll feel like it, yeah, it feel like a drill a hole. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to pressure. Mm-hmm. So if I'm laying down on this bed for 12 days, not being moved or rotated, you know what I'm saying? My The heel of my foot is in that same spot. Mm-hmm. So that pressure creates a, um, a foot ulcer. You know what I'm saying? Where your skin, your, I mean, it's ugly, bro. It's ugly. <laughs> I wasn't wishing on nobody, you know what I'm saying? And, and I had to recover from that on top of gaining my muscle mass back, being able to walk again. Mm-hmm. You know, my first um, 
session of physical therapy in the hospital was just sitting up in my bed. Okay. Like that's how weak my body was. So you're talking about reconditioning your body to just be human, bro. You know, just walk, you know, stand up. You know, I started all the way over. How much, how much weight did you lose? I lost 50 pounds in 12 days. Wow. Yeah, and that's only because when I was on the ventilator, I had some complications mm-hmm. um, with my feeding tube. So I was vomiting while I was on the ventilator. Remember before I went to the hospital, I couldn't hold nothing down? Right. But that's still uh, uh, that was still something I was going through while I was on the ventilator. So it was a lot of that going on. So I wasn't able to hold down food or the, the nutrition and stuff they were trying to give me. So I ended up losing weight. And then most of it was muscle mass I lost. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so... But I can relate to you, bro. I got, I got this. This is a, um, I have what's called the L bag, and mm-hmm. it's like an artificial heart. Like the left side of my heart is a machine. Wow. And one of the things, one of my symptoms before I had the surgery was that that breathing that you're talking about, like mm-hmm. wanting to be able to breathe and just can't get enough air in into you that you just gotta sit down somewhere. Like, yeah. you know, mentally, yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You want yeah. to do it, but you're like, ah, I just can't today, you know? So I, yeah. I feel you on that. I know, I know that frustration. Mm-hmm. And it plays a huge role in, and you progressing too, man. Cause like, you want to get better. You want to recover. Like you got this drive, you know, I don't know about everybody, but you know, me, you know, based on my hard work and everything I was doing, like that ambition is high for me. So right. I want to get up and do things. I want to get up and move. So being able to move forward means everything to me. I want to get past it. I want to bury COVID in the ground. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. I don't want to be stuck in that moment. And that's what's hard, mentally speaking, mm-hmm. is getting past that moment, bro. It's like a it's like a rain cloud, you know, just over your head. Every day you see that nerve damage in your arm. It's like a constant reminder, like, you're not all the way back yet. Yeah. You know, you got to fight that every single day. So I continue to stay positive, and that's what's key into moving forward. Awesome. Yeah, man, you got to. You got to. But you're, 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 I wanted to have you tell that particular story um, because it's a lot of people out here that is, they're taking it lightly and Mm -hmm. they don't think, you know, it can't happen to me. You know, I'm young, I'm healthy. It's just for old folks, but mm-hmm. COVID can affect anybody. Yeah, for sure. And it ain't no telling, like you said, it's no telling what um, effects it's going to, it treats different people differently. Like you, your symptoms are, may be different than the next person's symptoms. Um, just because you know somebody that had it and they didn't get hospitalized, well, the dude down the street, he, you know, he's on the ventilator. Mm-hmm. And I felt the need to share my story, man, because it's just, so many misconceptions about COVID out there mm-hmm. and nobody that really can talk from experience to speak on it. Exactly. You know, what I mean by that is, is people catching COVID all over the globe, but let's say in 757, for example, how many people, you know, personally can tell you they had COVID to the extent that I had, you know, ended mm-hmm. up in the hospital, hospitalized to really talk about the realism of it. You know, there's a lot of speculation like COVID could be this, COVID could be that. This is what I heard. But what about what you actually know from experience? You don't have a lot of people sharing those stories. Right. And yeah. then, I, like, so I just had a friend of mine pass a couple of weeks ago from COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, um, it came out of nowhere. Uh, they think he caught it from somebody at work. 
um, his, his story is um, similar to yours where uh, he lived in Newport News. He went to Riverside first. Mm-hmm. Riverside kept him for like four or five days, but they, it was like they didn't really know what was going on or what to do with him. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, um, his wife stepped in and had him taken to Sentara. And um, he lived the rest of his life at Sentara. But um, it it was just to see him go from healthy to having COVID. And then on top of COVID, he had pneumonia. Mm -hmm. You know, just to see somebody break down like that, that just a few weeks ago was, you know, running and playing with their kids. That's the scary part about it, man. So when you tell people out here to be safe and and treat COVID serious, and um, know that it's not a joke, you know, it's really in essence saying like, hey man, you might, if you if you catch it, you could get over it tomorrow, mm-hmm. but there's always that chance. There's always that possibility. You just never know. It might be your exit out of this world. So you can't take it for granted. Right. You can't, you can't sit here and play around with it like it don't exist. And um, I've been looking at the trends and stuff like that that's going on on the internet right now. And um, I'm starting to see that a lot of people are getting comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And, and that and that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are getting comfortable. You're starting to see more people in the club. You're starting to see more people. You know, they got their mask around their face, but they're not wearing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what's the point of having Yo, your mask? Nothing at all? gets on my nerves more <laughs> than when you out and somebody got their nose out their mask. Come on now, like, it's like you crazy. might as well not even wear it. You just got it as an accessory. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you really ain't got the mask. You got the mask to say, I got it. You know what I mean? But you ain't wearing it. That's I'd like rather having you, a, I'd rather you just not, just be a G and just be like, I ain't gonna wear it. I mean, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like having a seatbelt in your car, but it ain't gonna help you if you get in an accident if you ain't got it on. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you got your mask on your face, but you got it around your ear hanging, mm-hmm. well, it ain't serving no purpose. Exactly. You know, um, and then, you know, of course, we got these venues. They don't want to um, pursue the issue because that's their money maker. Mm-hmm. They customers. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to kick your customers out the door. Hey, yes, they you, got a mask. That's yes, they hurting and they hurting right now. So correct. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that means they're going to allow it to spread like wildfire. As long as they build and don't burn down, they good. That's how they look at it. It's all about that dollar. It's all about the dollar. That's why a lot of these states are opening up their the um the laws and lifting them and, and making sure that everyone can go back to full capacity. Bro, let me tell you, I'm not going to Texas. Can't nobody come from Texas to visit me. I don't even want to watch Texas Chainsaw Max- Massacre on TV. <laughs> you no, yeah. and Dallas is my team. Come on, man. <laughs> the Cowboys <laughs> is my squad. I'm not going to see him. I don't care if I got a free ticket and Jerry Jones send me the plane. I'm not going. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's weird, man, because I got I got um, mixed emotions about it, man, because I want people to have fun. Mm-hmm. I want people to enjoy themselves, and I want society to go back to normal. But, you know, the question I keep getting across is how, bro? How? It's just mm-hmm. not enough people taking it serious. Yeah, we you know, we're not enough people sit like my grandma said, sit your butt down. <laughs> Ain't nobody doing that. Just you got people down. screaming. You got people screaming. I've been sitting my butt down. I'm about to take my chances. Yeah, that's what's yeah. going on now. You know, yeah. that's that's basically what's going on. The people that were cautious, they enjoyed the little vacations at mm-hmm. first. Now they've had it so long, they're like, all right, man, I gotta live. 
So this is what I'm about to do. I'm going to go out and I'm going to turn up and live my best life. You only live once. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And I, I'm going through it even with my kids. My daughter, she just turned 14. She couldn't have yeah. a birthday party like she wanted to have a birthday party. You know, exactly. I know they're tired of being in the house and all, but, you know. Oh, yeah. And I think, though, as looking at other countries, if we all got on the same page, we could have, we, I ain't going to say totally eradicate it, but we could have squashed it a long time ago. Yeah, I believe that. But I think it's hard, man, because, and this is another whole scoop. I believe it's man-made, okay? Mm-hmm. Ah, there it is. I said it. I mm-hmm. think COVID is man-made. So that means if it's man-made, it only makes sense that every time they come out with a vaccine, there's another strain of COVID. Mm-hmm. They're sitting out there, they're countering what's already happening. If you got a vaccine that can stop it, and they get in there in the laboratory, they say, all right, boom, we're going to counter that vaccine with this. Now, all of a sudden, there's a new strain of COVID out for every vaccine. How many different strains of COVID exist? Mm-hmm. And why is it that every time a vaccine come out, we find out about a new strain of COVID? Now, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but... It's I all was, good. Be one. That's <laughs> just the I real of it. I was reading uh, the other day about how um, there might be some um, evidence of it being uh, not really... man. All right, it's not purposely manufactured, mm-hmm. but um, a research facility was doing experiments and stuff and it kind of got out of hand almost like a movie you know what i mean like they they trying to um work with it maybe even try to find a cure for it but they mishandled it somebody got sick didn't realize it or hit it got out in the public and then spread like wildfire i'm i'm gonna take you real left field on this one (laughs) just see if you can follow me why the heck do you think we got nuclear bombs in, in, in the world? Why do we have nuclear missiles in, on this planet? Why do we have something so devastating it can almost destroy an entire country with one strike? Why do we have this kind of technology? And then ask yourself this question. On the opposite end of that, if your country or your nation do not have technology to compete with that as far as a direct strike what would you do to counter that? Mm-hmm. Make sure nobody lives. Right, right. It's ironic that COVID is global. You get what I'm saying? It's ironic that it's not just in one region on the planet. It's spreading like wildfire across the whole globe. You know, so but, you talk I conspiracy. Mean, that that kind of got to go, that kind of has to go with the whole nationism versus globalism thing. Yeah. And the way the world has come to people don't stay, especially when when people with money, <clears throat> especially yeah. people with money trying to make money. So yeah. think about the United States. Back in the 60s and 70s, people had manufacturing jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And you can make a good living, take care of your kids, retire, get your little pension or whatever, right? These companies found out that they can sell they can do the manufacturing in like china pay them pennies on the dollar mm-hmm. and then all the business went there so the you know the americans they you lose your job um you're not as successful things get harder here yeah one of the byproducts of that is now you got to send somebody back and forth to check on your product See what I'm saying? So now you're not just staying in your local area. You have to travel 
globally to ensure that your business is running. And yeah. that's one reason why it spread the way it spread, you know? And, and think about it, man, especially with China. What in your house is not made in China? Everything. Some Something in your house made in China. Or right. I don't know if you live in the United States or not. <laughs> and it's like that for most of the world. So yeah. if something starts in China, it has an easy path to spread all across the world. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Because you got, I mean, not, not saying it was done um, purposefully, but you got a, a warehouse in China full of your products. Somebody in that warehouse has to take that product and put it on the plane. Mm -hmm. Then they come in contact with the person that's flying the plane. The person mm -hmm. flies the plane, leaves your warehouse in China, goes to Europe, drops off some packages, picks up some more packages from another warehouse, comes in contact with the dude that works there. Now he got it. Then they take that same plane and fly to the United States to drop off the stuff that was ordered in the United States. You come in contact with those people at their airport. Now they got it. And now they take it home. Then they spread it. And then one person gets it. Then two people. Then 10 people. And... That's just how it is, you know. It's crazy, man. It's and, crazy. Uh, it, it goes back to um, globalism, mm -hmm. which I'm not saying is right or wrong, but that's just, you know, I don't think when they back in those days when they made those original decisions to let's um, not pay our workers, let's go ahead and send our products over there, pay them pennies on the dollar so we can make more money. They weren't thinking of the byproducts of what could have happened with that, you know, yeah. not only just like diseases and stuff like that, but they're, they're not even thinking about now, you know, you didn't mess up the market at home. People can't get good jobs. Health insurance is crazy. You know what I mean? All yeah. that is, is, it goes back to that same type of decision. It's a chain reaction, man. It's right. Something right. affects somebody else. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So how long did it take you to write your book? Um, I immediately started writing my book probably about a month after I got home. Um, a lot of people started hitting me up and asked me similar questions. And so I said, man, I'm just writing down in a book. It's not my first book I've ever written before. Um, you know, so I was all, I'm already familiar with the process of writing a book and everything like that. So I figured, why not just go ahead and write it down in a book and it helped me process everything that had just happened. You know, uh, so writing a book for me was more like therapy, you know, okay. and I put down everything, you know, there were certain things I put in the book. I was like, I don't know if I should include that. It might be a little bit too much information, right. you know, right. it might be a little, a little uh, personal, too personal. Mm -hmm. I was like, nah, I got to keep it real. I got to let them know the whole deal. Yeah. So I included it in the book. And I think that's why people really, um, really felt some type of way about it when they read it. They felt really attached to it because it was like I was taking you on my journey, really walking you through the day, mm -hmm. you know, everything I was going through. Did you self-publish? Yeah, through Amazon. Nice, nice. Ended up being a, a number one new release. Awesome. Yep. It All was right, pretty so good, man. I, I got you on, I got you on um, tape, so when I bring my copy over there, I can get that autograph, right? Yeah, man, you got it. <laughs> yeah. I've been signing them. Uh, on a lighter note, what kind of cameras do you shoot with? 
Um, I like the 6D Mark II. Okay, you know, so you're a candy man. Definitely a candy man. All day. You, know, mm-hmm. I, you probably know my homie, uh, Keith Snee, or K. Snee Photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Me and him always joking. You know, he go back and forth with the Nikon versus mm-hmm. the candy. You know, that's kind of a thing. But yeah, I, I got to stay loyal to Canon, man. They ain't never let me down. So what's your favorite lens? 50 millimeter, man. I got to. It's, it's just something about that bokeh effect and, and that, you know, the clarity and the sharpness of that lens. I love it. 1.4, 1.2? I like 1.2. Yeah. I got to go 1.2. I'm shooting with a 50 millimeter now. Yeah, that, that low light yeah. that is everything. I'm cheating, though. I'm using a mirrorless camera with a speed booster. Huh? It ain't cheating. You so, just ready for whatever you need. <laughs> I got a, It's a 1.8, but now it's shooting at 1.2. Yeah. The lenses changes the game. A lot of people used to ask me back when I was taking my photos, like, um, it doesn't matter what lens you use. Like, to me, I'm like, duh. <laughs> you can't you can't get it out the package and expect it to really look the same. You know what I'm saying? You gotta do some adjustment, some tweaking. And to be honest with you, you can find lenses that cause more than the camera itself. The and camera that's, is just that's a what I'm, right. That's what I'm finding yeah. out. I'm rather invest more in my lenses than my bodies. Yeah, for sure. So. you know, the body is durable. And you can find you a solid camera. Um, that's old, like 2005, and it's still shooting like it's 2020. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's really the body, but the kit mm-hmm. is that lens. That's what you need to go with it. It's like putting new parts in an old car. As and lenses don't never—they don't—they never depreciate. Never. Bodies depreciate, but lenses don't ever depreciate. Exactly. Most important thing, especially using. Um, one of those cameras with the shutter is that shutter because that's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the the main um, function of your camera as a body. So, how do you feel about mirrorless? I uh, I think they smooth. I don't think I ain't got no problems with them. You know, uh, I think everyone got their own perception of what they want to use, and mirrorless is just another item on the shelf. To I, me, I don't know if I'm going back to DSLR though. Why not? I like the compactness of the mirrorless cameras. Um, yeah. I notice how, so, you know, they got a, Canon has a new mount, the mm-hmm. RF mount. So everything is going to go start going to RF. Yeah. So, you know, I think the EFS lens are dead. Um, EF lenses will always reign and then yeah. you got RF and I don't want to go backwards. Absolutely. I mean, just for the sake of the people who might be listening? Who don't? Because I know like we went, got... we we totally went over a whole lot of people's head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just about to say, like, for the sake of people listening that uh might be on a budget and don't feel like, hey, man, that's cool. I can't afford that lens, or I can't do that, or get that. Look, it ain't always the lens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's your level of creativity yeah. that makes the photo, and most of the time it's your level of creativity mm-hmm. that makes the photo. Being able to use that lighting. Um, and, and telling a story with your photos versus just snapping a shot. I think that's where it starts at. That's I think the, the very first thing that you need to do is get off that green button. Yeah, get go out. manual. Yeah, get yeah. out of, just play with manual. I remember when I got my camera, I took a couple of pictures in auto and then I put it in manual and was frustrated yeah. for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, But after that two weeks though, I, was, I could understand the limitations of my camera. 
Mm-hmm. And then and once, once you, you learn your manual, you don't want to switch back. Yeah, right. Right, because you, know? you, you got total control. Absolutely. Like, I was doing dumb stuff. Like, I, I had my ISO set way too low and couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why I wasn't snapping the picture. And, you know, I went oh, way too that. high. Yeah, before yeah. You, before you knew anything about shutter speed, <laughs> you were just learning your ISO. You shot that thing all the way up to 2400 when you ain't need it. Exactly. Oh, man. I didn't know I could still get good pictures like this without that. I just got to change the up stop and the shutter speed. That's it. Yeah, it took you a know? good two weeks and then it, it all started to make sense. But it, it takes that. Yeah, you, you're going to get frustrated. You know, one of the um, coolest things I learned uh, when it came to low light um, photography was focus. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to focus in low light if your camera don't have that 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 autofocus beam yes. that, yeah. that puts it on a person. So well, I used to go to Queensway. That was one of the first places I started, like, taking my low light stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... You know, the, the environment, everyone's kind of moving around. It's real mm-hmm. fast paced. And so I remember watching a YouTube video. I can't remember by who was, who made it, but they said take a little laser, a rant, like a hot, like a cat little toy, yeah, yeah. like laser, and point it on your subject and then hold your camera up and it's going to focus on that beam and your mm-hmm. subject going to be in complete focus. You don't even need a flashlight. That's what was crazy about yeah. that. You know, I started using that because at first what I was doing, I would go out and say, hey, y'all want a picture? Because my camera, you know, the equipment I was working at the time, I was taking my cell phone, I was turning the light on. <laughs> I was trying to get it to focus. I was like, one, two, three, smile. I got a lock, put the camera down, and then focus. And then it was so embarrassing trying to get that focus and that group photo together. You be looking stupid as I don't know And what. when I first got mine, I turned the beam off because I thought yeah. it was corny. Yeah. And then I realized, yeah, that little beam does help. It means all the world. That's the difference between focusing and zero light. Mm -hmm. You know, focus is key when you're talking about clarity. So I found that, um, and I'm sorry, y'all, we just going to be talking cameras today because I got somebody to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) You know how that (laughs) goes. Besides lenses, I think the next most important thing is your lighting choice. Like that's what I'm I'm learning yeah. about now. I'm trying to per- perfect my life. Well, I, I honestly, I think your lighting choice will come first. You know, because that's gonna. Well, be you know, and it should. But when you first get out, out, you get your camera, and you're like, "Yeah, I got a camera." So now I want a lens. Yeah, but then yeah, you don't realize, true. you know, my lens. Or so yeah, I upgraded my lens, but mm-hmm. then I got better lights. Yeah, and that made the lens come alive. You know um, what I mean? Yeah. And, and what changed the game for me was the strobes, bro. I'm and messing with the I, game. That's what I'm trying to get into now. I got um I've been using the um speed lights. Now yeah. I've been playing with the speed lights and I got three of them and I got the mm-hmm. little controller. So I'm I'm playing with, you know, adjusting one light to be a certain brightness, another one to be a certain brightness, and having them in two, three different places, having the, the light at the back, the little hair light, and all that. Yeah, being so, able to take your camera and then walk back like a whole 30, 45, 50 steps mm-hmm. and have your, your light right still up there on your subject and getting that focus and that sharpness and still capturing the features of the mm-hmm. face is everything. That's my know? next my next move is going from speed lights to to real strobes yeah that, that makes all the difference so my whole thing is i love buying nice stuff cheap 
Yeah. And ain't I ain't nothing scared. wrong with that. And ain't ain't scared, nothing wrong with that. Right. And I ain't scared to buy nothing used. You know what I'm saying? Long, as long <laughs> as this is my, I'm a firm believer in as long as it gets the job done, you got what you need. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're going for the brands, they're going to sell you the same thing and put their label on it and cost you more. It's going to charge you more just because of their brand. Yeah. You're paying for and the I've, brand. And I found that with the, um, the speed lights. Yeah, you're paying like for the, the brand. Canon speed lights, they want 200 something dollars, 300 But you can get, yeah, what's that, Young Yo? Young Yo? Yep. Yeah. They're like 60 bucks. Exactly. Do the same thing. The same, do the same job done. <laughs> do the same you know, Because ultimately, if you're going to edit, you're going to edit. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it real. So the, the speed light is part of the process. The rest is post, what you do after. Right. You know, your edit. So now that's all on you. That's where your level of creativity comes in. You know, some people prefer Photoshop, other mm-hmm. prefer Lightroom. Mm-hmm. That's all on you. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. So I think the quality of your photo has a lot to do with creativity, mm-hmm. the actual picture of what you're doing, mm-hmm. the story behind it. I think a lot of people forget about that. Um, you can just take a picture of someone's face, call it a headshot. Or you can take a picture of someone in front of a sunset and create a mood. Right. You get what I'm saying? There's right. difference. Right. And it's, it's so, you know, I, like I said, I started on the video side. So lighting, yeah. it's similar, but it's different at the same time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, with video is more so constant lighting and yeah. um, making things dramatic and playing off the shadows. But that same playing off the shadows. I was using the same techniques with um, speed lights, mm-hmm. trying to get the effects that I can get. Like, I know if I take this light here and take it down and then bring this over and get that, like that little Rembrandt, you know More what I'm dramatic. saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So making this happen with a speed light, that's what I try to, you know, go for. Or yeah. a similar light, and it may not have to be this uh, the same thing. Like, cause so now, if it was me, I would want more light back here, somewhere yeah. off, off. You know what I'm saying? Off frame. You know, um, one of my favorite things I used to do with the uh, photos. I love smoke photography, bro. Yeah, smoke photography. It is for the record. It's not. It's not legal, technically speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, but hypothetically speaking. If you were to do some smoke photography, it is super dope. Pick a good color scheme. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. It would make your level of creativity look go from basic to above average in just one time, one shot. Mm-hmm. Like, and then when you put up that, you, you just get the snaps going, mm-hmm. you capture in a different way. So not two the thing about smoke photography is there's no two photos that look exactly the light. A light because the smoke changes with right. the wind. Right. So yeah. you might end up with that one killer shot that just, hey, you like, this is it. You know what I'm saying? And it's way different. It just takes everything on a different level. And the thing about smoke photography, it ain't got to make sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You could just be sitting on a swing set and throw some smoke on the ground. And yeah. now all of a sudden, you done created a whole different environment. Yeah. Yeah. The haze. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's lit, literally. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to get into some things. It's starting to warm up outside. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm and like we was talking about earlier, people tired of being in the house, but sure. it was too cold. <laughs> I yeah. uh, I really got into uh, portrait phot- photography like in November, mm-hmm. like um, doing sunrises and sunsets and stuff. 
yeah. trying to do it all, you know, natural lighting. And yeah. um, just when I started getting good at it, it was too damn cold. Like I was yeah. out there and I couldn't adjust my camera because my fingers was too cold. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes a difference, man, for sure. Um, even in the outfit changes, you know, uh, all of it plays a huge role. The weather is huge. Anything you're doing outdoor with photography is huge. But I will say I've, I've I tried my fair share of different styles of photography. Mm-hmm. And you won't believe this when I tell you. The hardest photography for me mm-hmm. is real estate photography. Bro. Yeah. Yeah, oh my that. goodness and, and it's so many things you you think lighting is difficult when you're shooting portraits mm-hmm. try real estate where there's no shadows underneath your desk mm-hmm. there's no shadows underneath the back of a tv screen right. like how first of all <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it ain't that many strobes in the world it ain't that many lights in the world you got to really know how to balance your light mm-hmm. when you're doing real estate photography i remember my first time attempting it I was in there. It was, should have been a quick little shoot. It took me like two hours to get that thing right because it was something new to me. Okay. Um, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just put it like that. I don't like it, but some people love it. Yeah. Some people, that's their bread and butter doing a real estate photography. There are companies that will pay you to go yeah. um, take pictures of their properties. Yeah, I got a partner. You know that's all he does. Yeah, yeah, you get paid just to go out to take pictures of their property because they don't live here in this state, mm-hmm. but they they want to um, sell real estate out here, you know, like wholesaling things of that nature, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so it's lucrative if you can get on it like that. But for me, I think that was the toughest, you know. But I, I fell in love with videography. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with that because so many people used to come up to me and be like, "Hey, you shoot videos?" And you'd be like, "Nah." I don't shoot videos. And then eventually you just like, I'm not stupid. I can learn how to shoot videos. I'm sick of telling people I can't shoot videos. And then you end up just falling behind that one guy that does both. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, look, I, I shoot videos. I, I, I taught myself how to shoot videos and it's lit. That was probably one of the best uh, marketing things I was able to do. You play with any gimbals? Gimbals, of course. That that changes your game when you're talking videography. Uh, messing with a gimbal is like changing your lens. It's like they go hand in hand. Um, when you're talking about quality of your videos. Nobody wants that shaky camera. Um, you can get away with it depending on the style of video you're shooting because that's actually a style of uh, being handheld is a whole style when it comes to videography. But most people don't want their entire video handheld. Right, uh, shaky. Yeah, like maybe certain clips here and there is cool, but the entire video, nah, they could do that with a cell phone. Yeah, see, and that's one of my problems. It's like I got so much going on right now. It's hard to, all right, so one day I would take a day and just work with my camera. Mm-hmm. Then I'll take a day and work with lighting. And then I'll get a project where I could work with my gimbal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't feel like, I know it takes more time. But I yeah. don't feel like I'm mastered all of that yet. The no. key is to master each thing one at a time. Mm-hmm. Don't try to study more than one course. Get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to figure out how to pass each test. If you're in school, you get one class of one subject. Now, if you was in that one class and they were teaching you 20 subjects in a week, how often you think you'll pass your test. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) So you got to figure out what it is you want to learn now, master that, and then move on to the next one. A lot of people, they try to do too much. Mm -hmm. You're trying to learn lighting. You're trying to learn your, uh, you know, your, your postures, you know, you're trying to learn everything 
at one time. Don't don't hurt yourself like that. You know what I'm saying? Just focus on one thing. Sometimes the product, the projects come that way though. They do, but then that's when you call on your homie and they say, <laughs> if you're good at you networking, right. and you know, hey, you almost like you scratch my back, I scratch. It. I, I look out for you. You look out for me, and that's a good vibe to have anyway, because it's community out here. You know, that's one of the things I tried to do when I was really taking my photography series was really bring the community. It's a culture. You know, mm-hmm. I really wanted to bring everybody together. That's why I will host those photography meetups and things of that nature, because you really, it's like having a team, bro. You know, like you got your own brand. I got my own brand. You trying to win. I'm trying to win. Hey, when the numbers come up and I, I'm too busy, and I can't do a shoot because I'm booked out crazy. I'm only one person. Hey, look, I apologize. I'm not able to do a shoot for you right now. I'm extremely busy at the moment, but I do got a dope photographer right over here. He ain't going to let you down. I can vouch for him. I wouldn't send you anybody crazy. I'm um, looking at, because um, you mentioned your boy's need, I'm looking at um, the lighting courses that they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about taking one of those. You should, man. It's, it ain't going to do nothing but help you. That's yeah. one thing I will tell people. Yeah. And it's yeah. good to, I mean, YouTube is cool, but it's good to have a hands-on um, experience and see how right then and there what your your product should be. Everything I know now about photography, I know who taught me. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? I still got a relationship with all of them. You know, I, I never tried to act like I knew everything or I got all the answers. I think that's the first step. step. Um, you got a lot of people, they feel like they've been in the game for X amount of years. And, hey, you can't tell me this. They're like, okay, I know I'm younger than you. I know this. I, you got it. You got it. You got it. You know what I'm saying? But let's keep it real. We living in a digital age. That's yeah. the... That's when I was born. You feel <laughs> I was born for this. And I understand you know everything there is to know about film photography. Don't get me wrong. But I can teach you a thing or two about digital. That's all I'm saying. Right. Don't take it the wrong way. You know, right. but there's some people that really get stuck in their like grandfather moments mm-hmm. where, nah, I'm not gonna listen to you, youngin'. You know, yeah. and and that translates to a lot of different areas of being cre- creative, you know, um in the world. But Specifically speaking with photography, man, I think it's important that you really find a mentor, mm-hmm. you know, someone and have more than one mentor because photography is huge. Yeah. You know, you're talking about lighting. You can talk to somebody that's dope at lighting. You're talking about uh, the effects. You talk to and someone that's so, so many ways to do it. You can do newborn photography. Yeah. So it's different yeah, lanes. I'm looking at now I'm getting into the people that are doing the abandoned building photography. Mm-hmm. That's dope. I mean, it's so, and you just gotta find out what you're comfortable with. Yeah, it's definitely different lanes, man. Um, but I think above all, the most important is definitely lighting. You get that lighting down packed, yeah. then you'll be able to be more versatile in different things you do because you understand what plays a role in it. You know, when you're trying to make certain decisions. Yeah, that's my that's my next stop. Is some really nice strobes. And then we can't sleep on landscape photography either. Yeah. Can't sleep on yeah. them. You know, that's super dope. Making the 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 uh the, the, the light just look like beams and yeah, you know yeah. like the city lines and all that cool Slowing stuff. Slowing down your shutter speed so you get them trails and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So can't sleep on them either. All right, so all right, we didn't alienate a lot of people. Let's get back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When did you start your podcast and what was your inspiration? 
Um, I started my podcast in July, you know what I'm saying? King Legend Talks, everybody, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I started it back in July of last year. And the reason I started my podcast was because of my nerve damage to my right arm. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've been talking about photography. You know I'm passionate about it. And it kind of hit me hard when I wasn't able to pick up my camera anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I could sit up here all day long complaining about what I can't do at the moment. Of course, there was those people who was like, hey, man, you might not be able to do photography the way you used to, but you put it on a tripod. Nah, bro, that's not what I want to <laughs> yeah. do. You, you don't get you don't get to sell somebody that played in the NBA that they can go back and play and on the rack yard. Pee-wee league, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like no, that's just not happening. That's mm-hmm. that's not that's not that's never going to be fulfilling mm-hmm. for me if that's really my passion. So, um, me personally, I was like, well, maybe I should take this time while I'm working on getting my arm back together to start focusing on another way to be creative. A lot of people used to always tell me, even when I was shooting fellows, like, look, man, you got that radio voice. You should, you should try, you should think about radio, you know, something like that. I always put it on the back burner, laughed it off, like, ha, yeah, all right, that's cool. So I ended up uh, starting the podcast because I was like, you know, photography is my passion. That's my dream. I've always been following my dream. I wonder how many people have the, the ability to go pursue their dream and are scared to do so or mm-hmm. don't want it. So I was like, maybe if I use my story to help other people follow their dreams, I can do some good with the second chance of life I've been given. I don't want to waste any breath that I now have, you know, cause I could have died back in the hospital on that ventilator. Right. God could have been like, it's over for you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nah, you still got purpose. So now I feel like I found my calling when it comes to reaching out to people and helping other people get inspired, you know, based on the stories of other people. So I invite celebrities and influencers to my podcast and kind of let them express, you know, the realness of their stories, not just the diamonds and the, mm-hmm. the flashy cars. So that's all the people see. And they're like, yo, you're so lucky. When they like, nah, bro. Right. It's no, no such thing as an overnight it's, success. Ex- exactly. It's like, look, man, this ain't just happened overnight, man. I want to. I want people to understand that journey because that's what I'm on. I want you get what I'm saying. The relationship of my show and what I'm trying to talk about is that journey to get to that destination that people now see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a whole road to success that people don't um, notice. They only notice the final destination. They see the mansion. They see the car. They don't know when this person was sleeping on the couch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They, they don't know when this person didn't know where his next meal was coming from. Like, that was a reality to them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, by the time you see somebody make it, it's already been almost 10 plus years put into that work that you just completely didn't know about because you only seeing what social media shows you. Right. You know, and so I like to bring bridge that gap between the road to success, you know, and, and that's why a lot of people relate to the show. You know, it's, it's really like you seeing somebody that made it and, and it's from all walks of life. So it's not just your musicians or your music artists. It's like, you know, I got athletes up there. I got doctors up there, everybody, all walks of life. And there's a story out there for someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for how sure. um, how hard was it getting um affiliated with um iHeartRadio. 
Uh, it really wasn't hard getting an affiliate with, with iHeartRadio based on probably the type of people I had on the show in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of support, you know, from just out the gate, you know what I'm saying, with Boston Scott running back of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. It's almost like having a lot of big endorsement. And that mm-hmm. was built relationships through, you know, just networking and hitting people up on Instagram and then going through the proper channels to pursue iHeartRadio. So did you, your podcast existed on platforms before iHeartRadio? Correct. And they still do. It's it's on iHeartRadio, but it's also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, things of that nature. But obviously with my partnership with iHeart, I only promote iHeart, but that's just the real of the situation. Um, But it's been, it's been an impressive, quick journey, Mm -hmm. to say the least, you know. Um, it has a lot to do with networking, bro. That's all I can tell you. Network, network, network. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. That's the secret sauce. Anybody want to know the secret? Network. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's not what you know, it's who you know sometimes. And that's, and that's, that's very true. It's yeah. Very true. Absolutely. So, you know, anything you do, you want to study your craft. You want to know the ins and outs about it. Just like when you're a photographer and you want to learn photography, you're not just going to hold your camera in your hand and say, all right, what now? You're going to go on YouTube. You're going to start looking up. Okay, how do I do this? Yeah. You know, how do I do that? Well, in any walk of life you choose, any path you're going, you want to know who walked that path. What do they do? So the first thing you should do is look up the people who are successful in your industry. Nice. And if, once you find the people who are successful in your industry, then you need to figure out, well, how did they get there? Mm-hmm. So now you're learning from their experiences so you don't have to take the long road because you don't already had your GPS set on your destination. Exactly. Oh boy, you know boy, I'm about to preach up in here, boy. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's just the reality of the situation. I don't understand how people get involved with something and don't want to know what's about. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to know what my if you if I'm involved with flipping burgers, I want to know the best way to do it and the most time um, efficient way to do it. Exactly. Okay. I ain't got a still Burger King recipe, but I can learn from Burger King because they've been in the own, game. Right. And then do you get what I'm saying? On it. Exactly. You know, that's how you really get ahead, ahead is by learning from other people's mistakes. All right. Yeah. One last subject and we're going to really cut, cut it short. Okay. Are you getting the vaccine? Am I getting the vaccine? Right now, I can't because it's not safe mm-hmm. based on everything I've been through. Okay according to my doctors. Mm-hmm. Now, putting that to the side, will I get the vaccine? That's future tense. Mm-hmm. I want to get the vaccine um, just like people want to be safe. Mm-hmm. I, I want I want things to really work out um, for everyone. I'm a firm believer in, you know, trial and error, but I don't want to be a part of the trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> so a vaccine, when it's safe and it's considered normal and, and people you know just like we didn't know anything about the long haul effects of covid because mm-hmm. it was too new that's how i feel about the vaccine as of right now it's it's new um so you really don't know the the six to a year effects mm-hmm. of getting the vaccine yet we still gotta wait those those results are pending you get what i'm saying once that's done and they like all right this this these, we done done a research and 100,000 people that took the vaccine, no side effects a year later, they're good to go. All right, bet. I'm taking my vaccine. That's the best way I can explain it. Well, I'll let you know because I took mine. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it's my mother in law took hers, you know, it ain't it ain't nothing wrong with it. I, I encourage people to take it so I'm able to have those pending results. Right. How about that? Hey, you right. see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I took it. Um it wasn't that bad. Um I think the second one was worse than the first one. Yeah. The first one I just had a sore arm. The second one, um, I had like flu like symptoms for a day. I mm. had a fever. I was real achy. You know how your joints get achy? Yeah. Yeah, and then the next morning I was cool. Well, I mean, like I said, I'm happy you took the vaccine. You're showing initiative to be safe. Um, I know my antibodies have expired by now. Right, uh, right. <laughs> you know, but I'm definitely not putting myself in harm's way and going out. Only place I really go is to my doctor's appointments, physical therapy, and um, occasionally to the gas station. <laughs> that's pretty much it. You know, oh, in the barbershop. I go to, I do yeah. go to the barbershop. Yeah. But that's it, man. I'm going from point A to point B and back home. Mm-hmm. That's how I've been carrying it. Um, as far as my photography goes, a lot of people have been asking me, you know, I'm still doing photography. That's still on hold right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I said before, I want everything to be back to normal. Yeah. Before I really go back, um, full, full pledge. Now, are you doing any, you know, personal photography? Nothing, nothing right now. Completely shut it down for right now, man. Um, that's the way I would like it to be. I'm not saying it has to be that way, but that's the way I would like it. And you know, that was a big stigma for me going, getting to, um, the speed lights and playing with the lighting because I'm stuck here in the house with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yo, they so tired of me taking their picture, yo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, mean getting my daughter to pose up with the backdrops and stuff just because I'm, st- I'm still trying to keep it fresh. You know what I'm saying? So right. when the outside does open up, I ain't You're rusty. ready to go. Right, yeah. right, right. But I, I'm okay with being rusty. I'm okay <laughs> with that. And it's because I was joking with my homie, uh, BP, the official. Uh, shout out to him, man. That was a dope dude. Uh, signed by Empire, all that good stuff. But anyway, I was um, joking with him the other day because I was like, you know, when I when I get back to my photography, I want it to be like I have no limitations. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to get back to it like, all right, I can't do that yet. And I just hate that feeling, man. I want to be able to do it. Like, if you're a basketball player, you want to get on the court. You don't want to be like, I can't dunk today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or I, I got to... I can't do layups, like I can't dunk, but I can shoot free. My hand yeah, like, right. yeah. Nah, man, you want to be able to get on that court and do your thing because at the end of the day, that's your brand. Mm-hmm. It's quality control. You know, if people are expecting you to be 100%, you can't be that guy that's giving excuses. And so um, I don't want to be that guy to be in a situation where, man, if I could, I would. <laughs> like, nah, bro. So I'm completely focused on my podcast right now. And and that's cool because it's been growing and, you know, everybody's been showing the support I need and, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. I'm on the way to hitting iHeartRadio Podcast Award. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So So, I'm definitely going to be hitting you up for some pointers. For sure, man. You know I got you. (laughs) No doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been my conversation with King Legend. I appreciate you coming through, bro. Not a problem, man. God bless. Yeah, bro.